Is fiber wrecking your gut health? Jennifer Scribner began a vegetarian lifestyle at age 16 after reading a book about how eating meat had detrimental impacts on the planet as well as individual health. She followed the restrictive diet for 18 years during which she experienced increasingly painful inflammation and deteriorating health until eventually she learned to listen to what her body was asking for meat. I really thought that was a world-saving mission, Ms. Scribner told the Epoch Times. It didn't work for my body, but I didn't acknowledge that because nobody told me to listen to my body. They told me to listen to what experts were saying. For a number of Americans, it seems that heaping more fiber into their diets in the name of health is often the culprit for feeling miserable and might even contribute to disease. Fiber comes from plant-based foods like beans, grains, peas, lentils, fruit, and vegetables. Eating high-fiber foods is associated with better digestion, lowered risk of heart disease, less constipation, and generally improved health, according to Mount Sinai Medical. Is fiber a food bias? From the U.S. Department of Agriculture's MyPlate Dietary Guidelines that suggest more than half our diet should come from fruits, vegetables, and grains to the expert mantra to eat 30 or more plants each week for better gut health, there's a loud and clear message shouting the need to eat more fiber. However, when Ms. Scribner lowered her dietary fiber by eating more meat, she noticed an immediate improvement in her energy and severe acne. For the first time in years, she felt fantastic. Now a functional therapy practitioner and GAPS practitioner, her experience was like onboarding for her business aptly named Body Wisdom Nutrition. Fiber, it seems, isn't exactly as straightforward as we're led to believe. The industrialization of food is linked to our body's increased intolerance for it, all while efforts to get people to eat a plant-based diet are amping up. It could be that the push for eating more plants might present a food bias putting some people in digestive misery. A 2022 study in Food Quality and Preference illustrated that attention mechanisms like directional arrows, posters, scents, product placement and economic messages were all effective at directing people's food decisions, regardless of whether the choice was healthy or not. Fiber's Contribution to Health There are two types of fiber, soluble and insoluble, depending on their biochemical makeup. Soluble fiber slows digestion and is linked to the production of beneficial metabolites called short-chain fatty acids, which offer us health benefits that protect heart and kidney health, lower inflammation, and regulate the immune system including protecting the body from diabetes, cancer, and obesity. Insoluble fiber adds bulk to digestion and modulates intestinal transit times. Fiber is naturally found in a wide variety of foods, including seeds and nuts, but it's also added to manufactured products. We need 25 to 35 grams of fiber daily, according to Harvard Medical, but we typically only consume 15 grams. Fiber plays a major role in regulating blood sugar and modulating appetite important functions that can combat obesity. Besides offering us better metabolic health, Fiber has been linked to improved bowel movements and a more robust gut microbiome. The latter is vital because our community of microbes includes the bacteria essential to digest fiber. How microbes predict our fiber response. In fact, the microbiome stands at the crux of the fiber debacle. 
Some of Fiber's biggest fans acknowledge that sometimes it simply doesn't sit well for some people, and the reason comes down to our microscopic bugs, some of which make enzymes so we can break down carbohydrates. Dr. Will Bulsiewicz, gastroenterologist and author of best-selling book Fiber Fueled, explained on a YouTube ZOE Shorts podcast called Fiber, why it's important and how to get more of it, that people with digestive issues often have trouble processing fiber because it can cause gas, bloating, flatulence and abdominal comfort. ZOE is a personalized nutrition program. My message to these people that I want you to know is that you're struggling with the digestion of fiber because your gut has been damaged. These microbes they're struggling to keep up with what you're asking them to do, Dr. Bulsiewicz said. The problem is most people experience damage to their gut microbiome because of a long list of chemical and other exposures that come with living in an industrialized world. Among them are antibiotics and other medications, glyphosate, antimicrobial hygiene products, alcohol, smoking, lack of sleep and exercise, artificial sweeteners, various food additives and emulsifiers, and chronic stress. Since so many people today have dysbiosis or a disrupted microbiome or very low flora, we tend to have a lot of issues digesting these fibers, Ms. Scribner explained. Fibers' effect remains hard to predict. A study published earlier this year noted what many have been experiencing fiber plays a highly individualized role in the body. While fiber seems to be generally beneficial in a wide variety of disease states, it's unpredictable even for individual diseases. Published in Microbiome, the study aimed to see how two forms of dietary fiber affect the microbiota of healthy subjects. It found that inflammation was dependent on the context, meaning the microbiota composition was the driver for inflammatory bowel disease. Fiber is a double-edged sword, the authors of the study pointed out that can either promote or denigrate health depending on both the type of fiber eaten and the individual's microbiota makeup. The study findings suggest a personalized approach. IBD patients hosting a fiber-resistant microbiota should not refrain from consuming various soluble fibers, while patients with a fiber-sensitive microbiota should carefully consider fiber intake and fiber source as a central actor for disease management. The findings also offer credibility to an older study, published in 2012 in the World Journal of Gastroenterology, that examined cases of idiopathic constipation. 63 subjects were asked to remove all fiber from their diet for two weeks and then reduce it afterward to a level they found acceptable. Symptoms were recorded at one month and six months after the dietary change, including rectal bleeding, bloating, abdominal pain and difficulty evacuating stool. Patients who stopped or reduced dietary fiber had significant improvement in their symptoms while those who continued on a high-fiber diet had no change, the study noted. Ferments over fiber? Another study compared fiber to fermented food in order to see which one was more beneficial for gut health, including improving microbial diversity and lowering inflammatory markers. Researchers anticipated that fiber would come out the winner, but that prediction was wrong. Published in Cell in 2021, the study noted that eating foods like yogurt, kefir, kimchi and other fermented vegetables, kombucha tea, and other ferments increased microbial diversity and impact that grew proportionally with servings.
Inflammatory markers improved in that group, but did not change in the high-fiber group that ate nuts, whole grains, seeds, legumes, fruits, and vegetables. They also experienced no change in microbial diversity. It makes sense that plants would be beneficial from many perspectives, including being able to bind to toxins like heavy metals in the body, Ms. Scribner said. She added that eating more fiber is usually an upgrade, compared to the industrial food model that many Americans follow. Sounding the fiber alarm. However, Ms. Scribner will take all fiber out of her clients' diets if they are willing to try it so they can heal from digestive woes. Her goal is to slowly add it back in using a more intuitive and ancestral dietary philosophy that involves soaking, sprouting, and pre-fermenting grains. Other times, she starts by removing grains only depending on the client's willingness and what dietary approaches they've already tried. This protocol, which Ms. Scribner and many other dietary experts take, flies in the face of the mainstream cry that Americans' lack of fiber is an alarming public health concern. Very few Americans meet the dietary guideline for fiber, with an average shortfall of 50%, which Henry Thompson argued in his 2021 editorial in Nutrients, increases the risk and cost of chronic diseases. He wrote that the highlighting of dietary fiber as a dietary component of public health concerns is warranted, even though fiber is not considered an essential nutrient. Ms. Scribner is not against eating fiber, but suggested the source, preparation, and timing of eating fiber-based foods might be a better focus than a broad-sweeping approach that hones in on daily recommendations. She noted that salads and raw plants we commonly feast on today weren't a part of eating habits many generations ago. Historically people didn't have as much fiber as we are encouraged to eat today, she said. What I tend to look at is what helps people thrive, what are humans meant to be eating? How did we eat before there were grocery stores? That's when humans were thriving, and so that excites me a lot more. Adding fiber back to the diet. That means when she helps clients add fiber back to their diet, they might eat locally grown, in-season plants rather than relying on mass-produced crops treated with herbicides and pesticides and shipped all over the world. That kind of model keeps consumers reliant on chain grocers, big producers and often pharmaceuticals because eating that way still creates symptoms in many Americans, Ms. Scribner said. I think where the carnivore crowd gets it wrong is they eliminate all these things forever, she said. That doesn't necessarily improve the microbiome enough in order to bring plants and or grains back in in a digestible way so they can still maintain good health and bowel habits. Dr. William Davis, a cardiologist and author of several books including Super Gut, agreed that restrictive diets are a big mistake in the long term. What you are doing is starving good microbes as well as bad, he told the Epoch Times. My way would be to restore the microbes that colonize the small intestine and produce bacteriocins, then reintroduce after several weeks those other foods. Almost always you say, well, I can eat anything now, and I don't have bloating, diarrhea, abdominal pain, anxiety, panic attacks, all that stuff. Bacteriocins are synthesized metabolites that lower the population of opportunistic pathogens causing dysbiosis, usually in cases of small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or candida overgrowth. 
allopathic, and even some natural approaches might use antibiotics to wipe out the entire microbiome and start from scratch. It's a modern situation, Dr. Davis said of dysbiosis, and unfortunately it gets treated in stupid ways drugs, cleanses, food avoidance. Those are not solutions. Those are simply ways to reduce symptoms. Ms. Scribner pairs fiber elimination with homemade yogurt or kefir to facilitate an environment that will naturally starve out the bad bugs. We don't want to go for killing anything until maybe it's needed after we've built up a really robust flora because the body wants to be healed and in functional working order, she said.